audible, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause, like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital, like Antoine when he shimmied after shots went through. So tell me why you mad even? Your team gon' be sad leaving after matching up with Brad Stevens. Each season, champion contenders. We drop twice a week like you trying to guard Kemba. Your team whack and your players whacker. I got the inside scoop after hanging up with Jay and Packer. Okay, we about chips here. I'm talking about this year, band of 12 plus 6 here. Carson that was top rookie, I'm seeing it now. Ain't playing around with Tatum and Hay with a brown. We off the charts, but you gotta play it market smart. Close out, cause he pulling up from Harvard Yard. Gang green, it's no other way. So tune in to the pod if you plan on staying up today. You heard? <laughs> hey Jay, I, I see you, player. She. Welcome to Anything Is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan, and I'm joined as always by Celtics beat reporter for the Athletic. You may know him as the kid, the god, or as the guy who dribbled out the shot clock in the Celtics media game two years ago. That's right, Jay King, everybody. Well, I mean, really? <laughs> we're going someone back to me, we're going back to that. Uh, someone said they would buy me a a knife that I saw on an infomercial if I called you that in the intro. So I felt like I had to do it. So how much is this knife? Twenty nine ninety nine, but it can cut through an entire fish. It was really cool. But I'm saying someone was willing to pay thirty dollars for me to get berated and and blindsided. At yeah. the beginning of our podcast with a joke that's two years too old. Think it's a win-win for me because I get the knife. I get uh, also the pairing knife that comes with it because it was a great infomercial. Total of four knives, and I get to make fun of you and uh, rehash some of your most embarrassing moments. All I'm saying is you you better not better not let me get a hold of that knife. That's fair. All right, we are here today. <laughs> uh, to that was a little too violent. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's uh, it's okay. I mean, we it's get a little testy here, but uh, today we're going to be answering your questions. I put out the uh, the call for questions about the Toronto Raptors Celtics series yesterday, and uh, we did not get to any of them on the podcast with Zach Harper, which I hope you guys enjoyed. Um, so we will be answering them today. Um, but before we do so, I just think it's uh, important to talk about kind of the press conferences that the Celtics had today. Um, Brad Stevens, Marcus Smart, and Jalen Brown. Uh, all spoke today. Um, just most of the topic was regarding the murder. Uh, no, not the murder. Sorry. Uh, the shooting of Jacob Blake uh, in Wisconsin. Uh, I actually was not uh, able to go on the Zoom calls, but Jay, you were there. So I guess I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway um, from those three press conferences? I think just the emotions of it. And obviously Jalen and Marcus have been very outspoken about this stuff throughout the whole restart ever since the NBA reconvened Jalen especially has been as vocal as anybody. And I, I just thought the emotions of it all. And obviously that video was just disgusting and tough to watch. And, and it, I mean, just watching the emotion, like Jalen paused a few times and, and including once he, he paused for so long that, that, um, they almost went to the next question like and he it was he was just emotional he was choking up and and i i think these guys like throughout the nba these guys have had have shouldered this responsibility 
to push this message across and to try to promote justice. And it's just sad that the responsibility has fallen to them. And it's, and it's a responsibility that absolutely should not be theirs. Like they, their jobs uh, are to be professional basketball players and fans expect them to be as perfect as professional basketball players as possible. And then to also throw on the responsibility to be like the people who keep this, I guess, message or um, momentum is seems um, it's just shitty uh, of, I guess, us to, to do that. And I think it also serves as a reminder that there's like a, a need to constantly be talking about this because I think, uh, I think the whole basketball world is kind of guilty of just go like, not forgetting about it, but letting the basketball be the, the first thing that everyone talks about just because we're all basketball fans and that's like what we um, like brings us together and like everyone's excited about what's going on. But um, yeah, it's just, it also is just like a, I don't want to say it's eye opening because this is something that's like continuously happened, but like, it's just, it, uh, as a black man, it just, it clearly hits different for those players as it does than like you or I, or, um, Brad Stevens. I thought Brad Stevens said some interesting things today where it's just like, yeah, he has no idea what it feels like. And it's just an opportunity to listen, but the raw emotion that the players are speaking with also players on the Raptors, like Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, it's just means and feels so much different. And it's just not something that you or I can really, I mean, like we don't know that feeling whatsoever. It's so foreign to us. Um, and so there has been talks about players perhaps boycotting the games. Um, I don't necessarily like, I don't think that will happen, but if it's something they choose to do, they're certainly uh, have well within the rights to, to do so. But it's, it's kind of weird because it's like, it shouldn't be on them to kind of make this larger political decision to, to do this. It should be like on greater society. And it's just like, they're in a very tough place because they love basketball too. It's presumably they'd rather be doing that than, you know, having to speak out on all these issues. Yeah, I thought the the two things that stood out to me from the conversation when Jalen Brown said, the question that I would like to ask is, does America think that black people and people of color are uncivilized savages and naturally unjust? Or are we products of the environments we participate in? And America has proven its answer over and over and over. And that's just shattering to hear, you know, from from someone. And I mean, it's true. Like the it's it's and it's just sad. Um, and then and it's not just like speculation or anything like that. I like have a master's degree in criminology and all of the kind of academic studies show that there's this kind of an assumed bias of criminality of a black man. And at every stage in the they're like interact with the criminal justice system, there's a general bias towards assuming that they are criminal. And like every single kind of analysis of that bears that out. And it's proven what kind of once again, where you see um, kind of white individuals taken into custody without uh, any violence. And then you see just like an awful video like we saw in Wisconsin. Yeah, it, it, it really is heart wrenching. And again, like, the responsibility shouldn't be on the players. This should be the changes that should have happened a long time ago, but the changes should come from totally different places than basketball players. But it, it's it's really powerful that they are taking up on this fight 
and that they are willing to go to the lengths they are. And I thought Chris Paul, you know, after the Thunder beat the Rockets in game four, he did the walk-off sideline interview, and he didn't even talk He didn't even talk about the game. He just said, you know what, that that shooting was disgusting and, and talked about that instead. So these players have, have really taken the responsibility seriously, and – and obviously, it means a lot to them, and the coaches have too. But it's just—it's—it's it's ultimately not. It shouldn't be on them as individuals. I would think that the league and the teams, like the larger entities, would probably should take on more of the responsibility. I personally think, like, yes, voting is important, but it's like feels like the least that they could do. Um, maybe voting is implied for like what side to be on, but it feels like they should explicitly be saying what to vote for and uh, or certain policies or certain candidates and i feel like the league kind of gets a pass because they let the players do the kind of lighter version of activism um but it feels like they're they're the responsibility should be on, on those who really control things and have political power which is these larger corporations than our individual players even as like a whole players association and so it's and kind I of. Think, I think that would be the the point of a boycott, right? Would is be, to get the league to, to do more to uh, put pressure. Like Fred Van Vliet said something like, basically, he said, "I'll quote him because I don't I don't want to get this wrong." He said, "We knew coming or, or here or not coming here was not going to stop anything, but I think ultimately playing or not playing puts pressure on somebody." So, for example, this happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin. If I'm correct, would it be nice? If in a perfect world, we all say we're not playing and the owner of the Milwaukee Bucks, that's going to trickle down. If he steps up to the plate and puts pressure on the district attorney's office and state's attorney and governors and politicians there to make real change and get some justice. So th- that would be the point of it, the players to use their power and get other people with, with more power on board. And- that's the only like, leverage they have is is over the the owners. And so I can understand that that is like the point of a, a boycott in that scenario. And I, I appreciate Van Vliet saying that like he knew that it wasn't going to like just them coming down here wasn't this nece- and like having their messages wasn't necessarily going to change things. But I think that um, like that, it, that shows like an, a self-awareness and knowledge of like where they fit in kind of the, in, in society. But it's, I think they they are well within their kind of rights to demand more because they are doing basically everything in their power. It's just it's a it's a difficult situation because all of everything they do has to be like negotiated and approved by the league and the owners. And so it's maybe you can criticize them for maybe not holding out more. But I just again, it's it's just shitty that it falls on them. It really should be doing like the Celtics should be doing more than just saying vote. They like there's a large Senate race that's going on and people are voting uh, on the primary. Like they could endorse a candidate. They're never going to do that. It's just like the Celtics, I'm sure do not want to enter politics, but there is so much more that the people with real power could be doing in this situation. And it's just, it's just weird that like, then the league is also like by rule, Marcus and Jalen or someone from the Celtics players had to speak today to the media. And it's like kind of on them to kind of, be the voices of frustration when it's like, I don't know. It's just, it feels just gross to kind of force them to kind of showcase their pain in such a public but, manner. But they don't, they, they weren't forced. Like I, I want to make it clear that they, 
they came out and just both wanted to talk about that. That was clearly what was on their mind. And so they've made the conscious choice to, especially Jalen, to make social injustice a talking point and repeat it as much as he can and try to keep that momentum as much as he can alive. And so I, I don't necessarily agree with the the assertion that they were forced into addressing it. I think both those guys wanted to address it. And I think that on this day when when such such a disgusting shooting did happen, I think that the team probably maybe even chose Jalen and Marcus specifically because they're the ones who want to address things like that. Okay, that's a that's a fair point, and um, yeah, I guess I, I I guess I didn't see it that way because I I what then again wasn't um, in the press conferences, and, and so Brad, like Brad wore a Black Lives Matter shirt to his, which I I've never seen is the most political you'll ever see Brad get, and uh, so he clearly it was something that he wanted to discuss too, and and which is I mean again like. It's a it's a big burden that these players and coaches are trying to carry to a, address a system that's been broken for so long. Yeah, um, I think we'll, we'll, we'll I guess wrap up that discussion here because I don't think either of us uh, are that well equipped to kind of have a more nuanced take on it than there. So fun transition into uh, your mailbag questions. Um, I think. There's a lot of different questions. We got a lot of engagement. People are excited about this uh, Celtics Raptors series, but we, um, I think the most interesting question, and we covered this a little bit with Harper yesterday, but we didn't do it in full. Um, this is from Craig at Rondo Bongos. Rank the top 10 best players in this series. Top 10. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Yeah, he wants us to go full 10. Okay. Tatum, one. Let me write this down. Yeah. Jason Tatum, we agree, is the number one. I think that's blatantly obvious. There's no arguments. I don't think there's anyone you could say is better than Tatum right now. Yeah. Then two, three, four is Lowry, Siakam, and Walker in some order. Yeah. I don't know what that order is. The homer in me is going to say, I don't know. Like Siakam was very good to start the year. Kyle Lowry's just a great, but I don't know. I'm I'm also going to cop out and say it's uh, we're just going to put them at the two, three, four range. And those guys are such different players, which is why it's tough to rank them. Like you Kemba, can't compare them at all. Kemba is clearly the superior offensive player. Lowry just does everything, and he's so annoying to play against. And then Siakam is like a long, versatile scorer. So that's their two, three, four. In in some ranking, five is Jalen. Are you going to put your man? Jalen, Jalen. I, I mean, I I can't. Jalen's a tier below. Jalen's five. He, is he, he has, is he below Siakam? I if think, he were in Siakam's role without Tatum and Kemba and forced to score, I think he would have done more. I think he'd be looked at differently. But would his efficiency suffer? Like, would we see him as like a gunner? Like, the, how much does he Siakam thrive? Yeah, isn't he's the most the efficient dude. Well, maybe we should. Does he belong on that tier then? We'll put we'll put Jalen in that tier. He's in All the two, right. through, two through five tier. Extending that tier. All right, so give me your six then. The tier has been extended. Um, six, 
I think I'm a I'll, I'm proposing a new tier, a, a, a six and seven tier. Van Vliet and Smart. Absolutely. Ah, oh, what a what a gritty tier that is. <laughs> I mean, I don't know like how Van Vliet's clearly a better scorer, but they both, but Smart just does all the intangibles. I don't know really how you separate the two, and so we'll what go. A gritty, gritty tier. Eight, nine, ten. Let's hear it. Um, people to consider. Marcus Gasol, OG, Ibaka. I think Ibaka is Daniel eight. Tice. I think Ibaka is eight. Our, let's, here's the question. Does there any Celtics that come above? Is Daniel Tice better than Ibaka, Gasol, or OG Ananobi? OG, maybe. We got I, I, I have strong takes here. So you have rankings a, are tough. You have a You hate rankings. Uh, you have Ibaka at eight. So you think Ibaka is better than Gasol at this point? I think it's close. They do different things. I think the Raptors really need Ibaka scoring. Um, I mean, they, they really need what Gasol does too, but I probably – I don't know. It, see, rankings are tough. You're, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say the final tier, at least for me, OG is not on the top ten. Eight through ten is some combination of Abaca, Tice, and Marcus All. Abaca, Gasol, or Gasol, Abaca, and then Tice, or they're on the same tier. I can't. I like Danny Two Blocks. I mean, Mister B Plus himself is. I think he's established himself as a very solid player. I think based on where's the Norm Powell tier? Norm Powell is not in the top ten player in this series. Norm Powell and OG I'm, can I'm hang out. Saying, where is the Norm Powell tier? I Eleven and twelve. <laughs> They're not in the top 10. We were asked to 10, which was you know, uh, an outrageous question, but we gave you 10. So to review it, Tatum all on his own. Then you have four of Kemba, Lowry, Siakam, Jalen. Then you have the grit tier of Freddie Van Vliet and Marcus Smart. And then you have the um, less talented big men tier of uh, Siaka, I mean, Abaka, Gasol, and Daniel Tice. I think Tice comes in 10. Less talented big men? Less talented than... Gasol should than- slap you. He should slap the taste out of your mouth. You just have always had it out for Daniel Tice. I mean, it, the, the, you're part of the war on Tice, and you just don't know it. But I didn't even say anything about Tice. I just said Gasol should slap you. It was implied. It was implied. Uh, all right, we're going to – we have a lot of questions about what the center rotation could be, uh, how much Time Lord could play, how much do you think Grant's going to play. I'm just going to shout out the people. Uh, Cindy at Mrs. Celtics is uh, expected number of minutes between Tice and Time Lord. My main man, uh, Eddie, Truth Faustino, what's the center rotation be? Um, Mr. Mello, do you expect more Time Lord than Cantor? So a lot of the questions, but basically, what do you expect the backup center situation to be uh, for this series? I think it's going to be Robert Williams and Grant Williams and probably not much Ennis Cantor. I think... I mean, the last seeding game between the Celtics and the Raptors, Cantor was a DMP. He did not get in the game. That was when they kind of shifted toward Robert Williams as they did toward the end of the seeding games. I just think it's going to be so tough for Cantor to guard Lowry and Van Vliet and stay in front of those guys and then guard everybody at the arc that the Raptors have. It, it's just going to be a really tough series for him. And, and he was good in round one. Like, he was useful in round one. The Celtics destroyed the 76ers during his minutes in round one, but 
some series just aren't Ennis Cantor series. I like the question. I think they're both going to get a chance. I just, it's going to be who's more effective. I think the Celtics are going to, I think Grant is probably better, more suited for what, like, he's just more versatile in that he can give you, he can hypothetically stretch the floor. I know he has not missed a three in the playoffs. And so, but Time Lord is basically just only serves one purpose on offense, which is a rolling big. Whereas Grant, um, if you put him in on at the five, he can put you in a lineup on defense where you can switch everything and then also kind of spread out the Raptors. So I would probably expect to see more Grant than I do um, Time Lord, but I don't know if they kind of pound the ball inside and maybe you need a bigger presence, go to Time Lord. But um, there, I don't know. there was one of the games between the Celtics and Raptors like 19 years ago at the beginning of the season, Grant played a lot of crunch time minutes at center. And that's when Kemba was a really able to attack the rim. If I remember, the, it was the game in Boston because they were able to, because he gave some sort, even that's when Grant was not making any threes. They does spread, give the, like just more space to attack the rim. Yeah. So I, I think that will be an option and it's too bad for the Celtics. My brother actually texted me today. Um, Is it possible the Celtics can get away without playing a center when Gasol rests? And if so, does that even help with the bench options? Who 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 is your brother having as they're not center? Like, or that mean having a I, I would, I would center? Guess, I would guess Grant Williams, but maybe even like Tatum, Tatum's, Brown, Tatum, Tatum, Brown, Wanamaker, Smart, and Kemba. It's been a while since we've gone a, a three guard lineup from um, Brad Stevens. It's normally one of his go tos. The, the roster this year just wasn't uh, didn't really let it happen. But I wouldn't be surprised for them to go super small because all. Basically, that has, that's the only lineup they can put out there where all five guys are kind of like decent three-point shooters. Yeah, and I think this series would have been a best-five lineup series. I actually do because Gasol is great. He's a basketball genius. He doesn't really punish you in the post anymore. Like He's not going to just embed you, for, for lack of a better term. Um, and I think the Celtics can, can rebound against the Raptors as a team, but Hayward, obviously him going down, that that destroys some of the utility of that group because the point of having that group is just having five better, more skilled, more athletic players in the other side. And if Hayward's not there, I'm not sure Boston's small lineup is more talented than Toronto's small lineup if they had to go small. So it, it's it's going to be this is going to be a chess match like you said in our podcast with Zach Harper which everybody should listen to this is playoff basketball this is real adjustments and lineups and the coaches are going to have to earn their keep uh that gets to another question i'm trying to find it but it's who wins the coaching matchup uh which is kind of an odd question because that's basically just asking who wins the series but I, there's another question we got. It was like, who would you pick if you had to choose your coach? And I can't believe that I'm saying this, but I think Nick Nurse, because he's won a championship is and basically lost the best player in the league or a guy who's a top three player in the league and just didn't really lose anything. Uh, I think Nick Nurse is a better coach than Brad Stevens. Your thoughts? I find it really tough to evaluate coaches because we don't know what goes on every day. And I think people often judge coaches based on what they 
do compared to what dumbasses expected out of them at the beginning of a season. And I think the way we judge coaches is often really unfair. That said, Nick Nurse is awesome. And He's a damn good coach. Nick Nurse. And you know who agrees with me is Brad Stevens because he voted for Nick Nurse for coach of the year. That is too. Brad Stevens <laughs> thinks the Toronto Raptors are going to win this coaching matchup. Does he though? Would Brad Stevens ever like? I would, be love, a- I would love if Brad just got cocky one of these days. Like, yeah, that you know that guy voted for coach of the year. I just fucking booted him out of the playoffs. <laughs> You'd absolutely be like, that's a very good team. You got to give them credit. They played hard out there. We just, uh, he loves the Raptors, give... though. Oh, man. He loves the Raptors. It's kind of crazy how much respect these two teams here. That was a surprising thing to hear from Harper yesterday. It's like the, the Raptors are kind of worried about the Celtics. And it's like, Celtics are kind of worried about the Raptors. Like, I think as much hype as going into the series, like both teams know that they're pretty evenly matched. And it really could come down to, um, some like, stretch of six minutes in a game that swings a game and like uh it could be kind of wild when you think about it, they've probably been the two most competent franchises in the eastern conference for a long time like the Cavs were the best team for a long time because they got lucky lebron went back there the bucks have been the best team because they got lucky Giannis was amazing a well, monster not yeah. lucky, but like no one knew Giannis was going to turn into Giannis, and their whole identity has turned around. Like, yeah, the, I, the Bucks have been very competent too, so they're in the conversation. But the Celtics and Raptors, with like totally different stars, totally different. I mean, in the Raptors' case, coaches, they've been near the top of the Eastern Conference for for years now, and they've both like developed a lot of talent. They b- both have. It's like, wild that they're still good this year, like Kawhi. Well, yeah. They Why is it wild? Because they, they, they lost. Have, a, they lost a top three player in the game and just did not miss a like, miss a step. We really. Oh, the them being this good is a surprise. That's what I'm saying. I'm them not being good this. in general is not a surprise. That's they have been this good. I'm saying I'm not Marcus surprised. All, good. Marcus All, considering his international play, will be in the Hall of Fame. Kyle Lowry. Bro, you don't have to sell me on the Raptors. I'm Kyle Lowry Kyle may, be, second may end up in the Hall of Fame. Kawhi Leonard. Pascal Siakam. Is, uh, but here's the thing. That supporting cast never got the credit it deserved last year. The The Raptors have been winning 55-plus games since since I was like three years old. They they This team, not really since I was three years old. but <laughs> It didn't for, exist for, when you were three years old. <laughs> for, for a long time, this team has been winning 55-plus games. Kawhi was the missing piece. He was the, the guy that they needed to get over the top, but they've been really damn good for a long time. And their supporting cast, the I guess it's not the supporting cast now, but they're it's better than it was before. They got Gasol, Ibaka, Lowry, Van Vliet's a stud. I love Van Vliet. Everybody oh, wow. knows I love shocking. Van Vliet. Shocking. Oh, you get that joke? And then, shocking. And then, Wichita and then State. Siakam is is the real deal too so this team is is no bunch of chumps they they were never going to be a bunch of chumps they were always going to win a lot of games where they're going to miss Kawhi is in the playoffs and obviously round one it didn't matter but having that force they don't really have that anymore unless Siakam kind of elevates his play back to where it was at the beginning of the season this gets us to the next question. It's kind of the same question. One from Chang Wang or at Fatboy858 and Sam Colella, Colella Sam. 
what do you think the most important matchup in the series is and or which matchup do you think will be the easiest for each team to exploit? So what do you think is like the that's the thing. I don't think there is a specific. There is no. Both teams switch so much that it's just it's literally team basketball. The most important matchup in the series is Celtics versus Raptors, because there's no way you can have one guy on one guy. That's just not going to happen. I want to see this isn't the most important matchup, but I just want to see Tatum versus Lowry and Lowry versus Tatum. That is going to be fantastic. And I'm sure they'll both spend some time guarding each other. Tatum often guards point guards. Lowry always is switching on guys that are taller than he is. That is going to be Lowry just trying to impose his will and Tatum trying to overcome with his skill. It's going to be a thrill. I have real mixed feelings, and I'm, I'm, you're not even going to comment on my, on all my rhymes. That was I, fantastic. I wasn't paying attention. I was trying to think of another, another day that I have to point out my own jokes. It's going to be a thrill. What else did you say? What did you rhyme with thrill? Skill and will. Um, maybe go down the hill. Uh, hang out with a friend named Bill. You might. Maybe you will. And hit. Ooh. 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 Some, some happy Gilmore right there. That'd be pretty trill. Oh, wow. You just want it there. I have a window mix- sill. Okay, we need to stop. Unless you can think of another one. We got time to kill. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a direct competition there to see who could come up with another one faster, and you did it. And um, I, I don't feel good about that. The point I'm trying to get to is I have mixed feelings about the Kyle Lowry injury because I, he did not practice uh, today. We're recording on Tuesday. It's kind of game time decision uh, what will happen. And there's a selfish part of me as a Celtics fan that wants to see them win. That would be like I kind of want his like ankle to be a little bit swollen. You're and one of those? I'm I'm struggling with the, having that feeling because then at the same time it's like no I want to see the best basketball possible but there is a part of me that like if Kyle Lowry is at all hobbled or is like what at eighty five percent of who he is or is it limited I think it makes the Celtics path so much easier and so like as someone who wants to win I I'm gonna be honest I have the little bit of that feeling and then I realize that's a shitty feeling to have you should just enjoy the Celtics playing against the best competition. Um, but what do you think the impact of, I mean, you don't know, um, what, what's the impact of Kyle Lowry's injury? He didn't practice today. Here, your takes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what, what he is. And obviously if, if he's not right, that's a huge, huge deal for them because he, he does everything for them. He, he guards top opponents. He is a monster screen setter. He sets the table for guys. He's one of their best three point shooters. He start taking charges left and right. He he does it all for them. So if if he's out, they're not the same. He's he's a huge, huge, huge piece for literally everything they do. All right, we got this. Uh, I'm going to transition to the more nonsense questions. We're getting to that time in the podcast from Jared Weiss. Who's the better grifter, Marcus Smart or Kyle Lowry? May this series show. Who do you I think it is? I don't even know how to evaluate. They're both elite. Like they're if we're doing the tiers of grifting. They're like one and two above anyone else in the series. Are they the two most annoying players in the league to play against? I mean, Chris Paul will punch you. Yes, Chris Uh, Paul is way up there too. But I think they're those three. I can't think of a more annoying anyone else who belongs in that kind of discussion as an annoying player. Maybe, no, I was going to say Delhi, but he doesn't even count. 
But, uh, no, those three have to be the most annoying players in the league. Uh, absolutely. Paul tried to pull the Marcus Smart and get James Harden to uh, foul. He basically – no, that was Lou Dort he fouled out against. But it's going to be impressive. The, the one thing I have to say, though, is Kemba – is pretty good at grifting as well, or just being like the annoying guy who slides in and takes charges. And at least in the but last Kemba series, smiles too much. Like the, to be true, to be that's part of the grift. You to think be he's truly a annoying guy? He's not annoying. Grifting is not necessarily directly correlated to annoying. Yes, all grifters are annoying, but not all annoying people are grifters. It's a uh, there's a difference there. That's some LSAT logic right there. Like it's like squares are. All squares are rectangles, but not all rectangles are squares. Exactly. Um, but I think, and I also want to give credit to Jalen, who uh, duped officials into two awful foul calls on Al Horford in the Sixers series. And so uh, he does gets credit for that. More um, Lowry talk. This is from uh, ABCDFG at ABDC, ABCD underscore FG. What a Twitter handle. Does Kyle Lowry have the NBA's more, most formidable caboose? R.I.P. Yabu's NBA career. Oh, damn it. You took my exact point because that's the only competition he has. Lowry is top tier in grifting and having an ass. There's memes all over the Internet about Kyle Lowry's big giant ass. It's got to be harder to rehab his ankle uh, because of it. I know you're uncomfortable right now um, talking about a player like that as a journalist. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to objectify players' bodies. But that's literally like one of my main things. If you had to describe my brand would be the objectification of players. Um, and so – I have no qualms doing it. He's got a big giant donk. He carries around a wagon. Um, <laughs> what do you? Okay, so Nick Nurse has his own brand uh, hat. It says NN on it. He wears it all the time. This question's from Ricky at R Baez twenty one. What would the Brad Stevens hat logo be? Oh, Brad Stevens. If he had a logo, it would be like just. It- it would be Kaizen. It would be like a Kaizen or like it would not involve his initials whatsoever. He would not put Brad, Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens' hat would have no logo. That, it would be growth. It would just be growth mindset. It would be something like an arrow pointing up. No, it would ha- he would have no logo. He would have a logo-less hat. It would just be like a plain navy blue hat. Like I think he would just say team on it. <laughs> no, no. He, would he, wouldn't, he wouldn't even do that. There would there will there would be no Brad logo. I think that uh, uh that's fair. I like I like if there was a logo, it would not be about him. It would be about a concept about improvement. Maybe you just say improve, but you're right. I there's he would not want anything to draw attention to him um, because he hates attention, which is it's kind of wild. Another follow up question from Ricky. Um, this one, matching polo khakis for Mad Brad and the staff this series. What do you think they go with? The, the kind of ugly green ones? Uh, the kind of the blue joints? I'm, I'm going to give a question that, that's going to piss off my father. Sorry, Dad, but I don't give a shit. My dad doesn't like when I shut down Packard's uh, hey, that questions. That wasn't my nonsense. I mean, I don't have a great answer to that. As long as they don't wear the green questions, uh, those green ones, uh, I think it's about it. Um, I'm looking through the questions here. I felt like there was a more, another junk question, but um, – that's about it. Do you have any other like important questions? I feel like we've broken down this series uh, pretty, pretty darn well. Um, anything, anything else you got? Uh, any other thoughts you have uh, coming into this series? I know uh, 
you probably wrote a preview. I don't know. I don't remember what you wrote. Uh, but anything else we should mention uh, before we uh, end this here podcast? Uh, no, no, I don't think so. The uh, people should read my story about the Celtics virtual brooms. Please read that. Well, I, you're, gonna to, you're gonna have to sell it a little more than that. The virtual, you know, the virtual brooms that were shown in the Celtics virtual crowd at the end of Game Four. I do. Turns out it was the Celtics family and close friends who were the ones handling handling the brooms. So well, coordinated effort. If you want to hear more coordinated about effort, coordinated team effort, I would suggest going to theathletic.com and signing up. If you're not already a subscriber, uh, and get the great content you get from Jay King. You can also get a great uh, podcast like the one you hear or the one athletic NBA show that's given you five different shows on each day of the week. Um, so go to the athletic. If you want to subscribe, go to theathletic.com slash anything is potable. Uh, it helps us out a little bit. And yeah, thanks for listening to this podcast. Uh, we'll be here every day this week, which is a thing that Jay King promised. Um, so we'll be back tomorrow with another podcast. Who knows what we'll talk about then? Probably the Celtics Raptors series. But thank you for listening to this episode. Thank you for listening to all of the episodes. Subscribe, five stars. Uh, Jay, you want to do the outro? Nope. All right. Sounds good. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Anything is Potable!